Welcome, everyone. Welcome to Praying with Fire 2018. We're so happy you could all join us. My name's Andrew Reinhardt. I am on the Image Trinity Board of Directors. And all that means is I try to keep track of Greg. <laughs> We're so happy you're all here. And I just want to introduce to start out Father Jason Colley for our opening prayer. We begin in the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill our hearts with your grace and your life, your truth and your, your peace and your love. We ask you to bless this time together this afternoon that we may be recognizing your very light shining within our hearts, especially on a cloudy day. We ask you to guide us, to light the path for us, to bring us ever closer to you. That we may more fall deeply more in love with you, our God, our Lord and ask that we bless the, uh, uh, all the participants in our parishes, our diocese, and our speaker um, that may be bring about uh, great fruit this day and every day for your church and for your will. On the tables are these little cards, um, almost Holy Spirit, why don't we grab that and, and we'll pray that together as a family of faith. We pray first for ourselves together. Oh, most Holy Spirit, come and ignite the great fire of your love. Set it ablaze in our minds and hearts. We pray for our family. Oh, most Holy Spirit, come and ignite the great fire of your love. Set it ablaze in our minds and hearts. We pray for our church. Oh, most Holy Spirit, come and ignite the great fire of your love. Set it ablaze in our minds and hearts we pray for our world. O oh, most Holy Spirit, come and ignite the great fire of your love, set it ablaze in our minds and hearts. We ask all this through Christ our Lord, in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. With Mass Impact, we are all about making the extraordinary ordinary. What do I mean by that? We all have extraordinary experiences in our life, things that stand out, things that are uh, aren't typical, right? Uh, they, they strike us in a different way. It seems new and different. It changes things. But then we all have our ordinary day-to-day -day life. It's mundane. Maybe we have a routine. Maybe our routine is not to have a routine. <laughs> but our life in the Holy Spirit and our life as Christians means that our ordinary days are, in fact, extraordinary because we're living them with the one true God. As baptized believers, we all have... Christ in us, in the Holy Spirit in us, present in our lives. And in the people we encounter every day, we can encounter the living God. So what we're about today is making an encounter with the Holy Spirit an ordinary thing in the church. That a special encounter with the Holy Spirit, receiving the gifts of the Spirit, it's not for a special subset of Christians. It's not for um, just our clergy. It's not for just those people um, that we think are the stereotypical Catholics, but it's for all of us. It's for all of us. God is calling all of us on to mission. So today we're all about making the extraordinary ordinary. And so our speaker today is uh, Bart Schutz. Greg and I last year had a chance to go to a Healing the Whole Person conference where we were honored to have um, Bart as one of the main presenters. And he, along with his brothers, the director of a... Um, 
an institute down in Florida, the John Paul II Healing Institute, where they do um, various retreats and uh, conferences where they help people come to a deeper relationship with, through, to Christ, but through the healing of their whole person, through encountering their wounds and encountering God in those wounds and coming to healing. So Greg and I and, and Stephanie and my wife, Brittany, were, were all blown away by this conference, and I think we were all personally deeply affected. So when we were thinking about who do we bring um, for this conference, uh, BART was a logical choice. So thank you for joining us here. Um, we've been blessed by you before, and we're um, excited to be blessed by you, with you again today. We will often say, live it, stands for image trinity. It is our life purpose to recognize our identity as imaging the trinity. Really, Christ reveals the nature of love, to pour ourselves out for the good of other. So that's our very identity, and we will not be fulfilled if we don't pour ourselves out. And I will venture to say the world, given the events of this past week and maybe last year's, does this world not need to see love poured out? Does it not need to see self-sacrificing love as opposed to seeking to sacrifice others? That's the distinctive mission of every person but dignified in Christ and the Holy Spirit. So image trinity, that is what it's all about. Get it, preach it, live it. That's what we're wanting to do. And um, on your table, I'm just going to reference this quickly. There's going to be no major appeal but we do invite you to partner with us because we are seeking regional revival. I don't know how else to put it. We are seeking to live fully what God appoints us, and if he appoints us, he anoints us to do. How many of you have experienced an appointing and an anointing in your life? An appointing and an anointing in your life. Where's Diane Dudenhofer? I'm going to put her on the spot. She's over here. Okay, so Diane, you have 30 seconds to share an example of the miraculous intervention of the Holy Spirit in your early life. You only get 30 seconds. I'll give you a minute. One minute to share, and she didn't know this. She didn't plan on this. But I want us to anticipate the power of God. He is alive and he's active. He's appointing and he's anointing. And many of you have examples in your life. But I'm just putting Diane on the spot because she's an amazing big sister in Christ. And she's going to share with us an example of God's intervention that he offers to you and me to a greater degree today. Diane. I can just say I was young, I had two little ones, I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis with a two-year-old and a two-month-old, um, and it was rapidly advancing, and I was scared to death, and um, I had some friends who got me to go to a healing service, and I was a little Catholic girl who had never been in a Protestant church, and I went to a Methodist church to hear a... To hear a um, Episcopal speaker talk about the Holy Spirit, and I got prayed over by a fully uniformed Salvation Army captain, and I was healed. So, and I, I was breathless. And her husband, my big brother Jim, uh, I will just quote him because he says something quite often that as Catholics we don't give t attention to, and it's simply this. He doesn't have time to play with a lot of words. He's just straight and direct. He's a rocket scientist, by the way. But, uh, so he's just a straight shooter. He says, if there's no power, what's the point? People are leaving our churches because they're not experiencing the power. 
Many of us are living in doubt and questioning and fear and battling things we need not battle because we're not claiming the power and the authority and the inheritance Christ gave us. No, don't get me wrong. There's going to be silence. There's going to be darkness. There's going to be desert. We get that. But the issue today is that there are too many of us with swords that we've been given in our sheaths that have the capacity to take down the enemy and unleash unprecedented streams of living water. And Diane gave testimony to that. And today, I would submit to you that God, however, whatever mountain peak you've been brought to in your life, it is a molehill compared to what God wants to do. Simply, I want to offer you, you're here because in your heart of hearts, you're hungry for more. How many of you are hungry for more? Let's just declare with our hand in the air, I'm hungry for more. Say, I'm hungry for more. I'm hungry for more. Let me make it really simple. It's not subset Catholicism, traditional Catholicism, charismatic Catholicism. To be Catholic is to be open to all God wants anchored in his church. Amen? Open to all he wants. Whether you're afraid or don't understand it, Christ revealed his truth, and he wants us, you and me, to simply be open to all that he wants to pour into our lives. Now, that's going to mean us praying for the grace to get the obstruction, the fear, the doubts out of the way. And that's why we began with a wonderful prayer, and it's going to be worship-woven throughout this day. Your number one objective in mind today is to be open to all God desires for you. He wants to flood and fill and provide for that hunger. So in a moment, we're going to move into the church with a moment of worship, and the first session will take place there. We're in the secular space-ish here. Why? Because 40 feet away, we believe, is the very presence of God the transforming, healing presence of God. And with that hunger that we just spoke of, he wants us to, in a moment, approach a different space, a sacred space, with great anticipation of his personal love for us. So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes, and I'm simply going to read the psalm, which was in the morning prayer today, Psalm 63. O God, you are my God. For you, I long. For you, my soul is thirsting. My body pines for you like a dry, weary land without water. So I gaze on you in the sanctuary to see your strength and your glory. For your love is better than life. My lips will speak your praise, so I will bless you all my life. In your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul shall be filled as with a banquet. My mouth shall praise you with joy. In this spirit of anticipation and prayer, let us now silently make our way to the church. How many dads do we have in the room? Dads? Awesome. Do your kids ever come up to you and tell you what they want? Yeah. How many times have your kids come up and said, Dad, what do you want? One day I was praying, telling the father all the things I wanted, and it dawned on me. My kids never tell me, never ask me what I want. It kind of hurt. I was kind of complaining. They have no problem asking me what, for what they want, but they don't ever ask me or care about what I want. 
And then I heard the father say to me, and how many times do you ask me what I want? Like, oof. Uh, never. So I said, okay, Father, what, what do you want? There's a lot of answers to that. But one, as it relates to right now, he reminded me of the Lord's Prayer. And how the apostles came to Jesus and says, teach us how to pray. What is our Father's desire? Our Father's desire is, one, for us to have a relationship with him and talk to him as our Abba, our Daddy, our Father. And for us to honor and recognize who he is. Holy, good, loving, merciful, present. And to partner with him, partner with Christ, in the very mission that Christ died and rose again for, which was for the kingdom of God. How many times did Jesus speak about the kingdom of God? And he would say, the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who sowed a seed. A kingdom of God is like a treasure. A kingdom of God is like, and I was like, okay, why do you always say the kingdom of God is like? And I don't know about you, but I've always seen heaven as way up there somewhere. And one day, when I die, I'm going to get to that great place of glory. In the meantime, I'm going to endure earth. I'm going to endure all of its sufferings and all of its hardships so that one day I can squeak in to that place called heaven. And then I'd read the Lord's Prayer, and I was like, now what does this mean? What does this mean for your kingdom to come and your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven? What does that even mean? And it dawned on me. Heaven's not someplace far up there. Heaven is a place that can dwell here. And that's his desire. Yeah, there is a heaven. There's a place we go, of course. But there's a reality that he wants to happen here. It's his desire for his kingdom to come and his will to be done here on earth, just like it is in heaven. How do you think he's going to do that? Any guesses? Through us. You're an A-plus student so far. Through us. Through us as individuals. Through us in our marriages. Through us in our homes. Through us as the church. Through us in our region. Through us in the world. All the things you guys prayed for in there. We all prayed for in there. That's where he wants his kingdom. He wants to bring his kingdom through you and I. It's the Father's desire for his kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven through you. Through me. That's what he wants. My heart and my desire as we go through this day is that we are going to touch heaven. That heaven and earth are going to kiss in you, in me, in this place. My only desire is that we encounter him. My only desire is that he be present with us. I don't care if you all hear from me. I hear myself talk all the time. If you all brought me here just to hear from me, you wasted your time. 
My desire is just to bring us all into what we all long for, which is him, heaven. I have a friend that one time joked, said, you know, if the whole goal of the Christian life was just to get to heaven, then at our baptism, they should dunk us all the way underwater and keep us there. Straight to heaven. Do not pass. Go. Boom. That's not the goal. Our baptism, our confirmation is all the entry point into the kingdom so that we can bring the kingdom of God here to earth. And that's his desire for every one of you. And that's his desire for the church. And that's his desire for today. And I hope he spoke some personal desires to you when you just got quiet. Because he has personal desires for you. And how he wants that lived out for you. And it's good. So let me share this, and then I'm going to get into my story a little bit. What is God doing in the church in this hour? I think you guys, are you guys seeing some things that are shifting in the church? Anybody? I'm seeing it everywhere we go. I came into the church, back into the church five years ago. I grew up in the church, Catholic middle school, Catholic high school, went to mass every Sunday. Honestly, I went because my grandmother told me if you don't go to mass, you're going to go to hell. Not a good motivation. Didn't exactly draw my heart in. And... Like a lot of people, like the statistics say, 80% of young people have been confirmed leave the church by the time they're 24, while well, I left by the time I was 18. And all through college, I just served myself. 30 years ago, as I'll share here in a minute, I encountered the Father. Fell in love with the Father, fell in love with Jesus, fell in love with the Holy Spirit, said, I'm going to follow you the rest of my life. But for 25 of those years... I experienced the whole body of Christ. I really think I experienced every flavor. Good, bad, and different. Five years ago, God called me and my family back into the Catholic Church. And I'll be honest with you, I, I didn't come back excited because of my experiences growing up. But then he started telling me what it is he wants to do and what it is he's doing. That through the public humiliation we've gone through, with the scandals and things, I was just in Milwaukee. They were hit very hard. Then I was in Pennsylvania. They were hit very hard. And it was in the media. We were humiliated by our sins. But before every major move of God, sin is exposed. And then a hunger is reawakened. You know, when I was growing up, particularly my family, we thought we had it all together. Any other families like that? We thought we were perfect. My God, were we in denial. But we did. And my friends, we thought we were perfect. But then you go through brokenness, which our family has gone through a lot. If you want to hear, you can get Bob's book called Be Healed. We've gone through a lot of brokenness. And it humbled us. The church has been going through a lot of brokenness. And it's humbling us. I tell my non-Catholic friends, the Catholic church is the ripest harvest field I've ever been around. There's more hunger, more humility, and more brokenness, and more desire for God than anywhere I've been. But I don't remember that growing up. That's been my experience over the last five to seven years. And as we travel the country, 
I'm watching people's hunger draw on the presence of God. And I'm watching people encounter God in very profound ways. And they're receiving deep healing. Deep emotional healing. Profound, miraculous physical healing. But greater than all that, spiritual healing. And I'm watching God set his church on fire. Part of my debate with God, I wrestled with him for 11 months about coming back into the church. And part of my debate with him was I, I'm, not, I'm not interested. I was experiencing some really cool things over here and you didn't let me go. Why would you ask this of me? Because I was, I was just remembering my experience growing up. Again, it wasn't maybe not the reality, it was my experience. Why would you ask this of me? And he started telling me about what he wants to do. He started speaking to me about the renewal and the transformation that he's bringing within his church. And then through a priest, he spoke to me and then spoke to the priest, confirmed the same thing inside of me. And he said, Bart, I'm inviting you as my friend to feel my ache. It bypassed my mind, bypassed my heart. It went to a deep place within me, and I began to sob. What do you mean by your ache? I started feeling the grief the Holy Spirit feels. Painful. I still feel it at times, and I'm not sure what to do with it all the time. But as I press into it, I go, Father, what, are you, what is your desire? What is your desire? I desire my church to come into the fullness of her 2,000-year history. We go to events and... Greg's heard this before. If you've heard our radio interview, you've heard this, but I just feel the need to repeat it. Went to a seminary some years ago, seven years ago with Bob. So before me and my family came back in the church, I was still doing ministry with Bob, my brother. And we were in a seminary. And there was an argument that broke out, kind of a fun banter. Portion of the room were like, we're tradies. We're traditionalists. The other portion of the room was, we're charismatics. And so in the midst of their little banter, they look to Bob, who's the presenter and speaker in the seminary that day. And they said, Bob, what are you? And Bob looked at them and he said, guys, that is a ridiculous argument. He said, we're not divided. We're Catholic. Catholic means whole. We're not charismatic. We're not traditionalist. We are Catholic. We believe in the 2,000-year history of the church, all the rich traditions, sacraments, the liturgy, everything beautiful about the church. And we also believe in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that happened on the day of Pentecost. And they got quiet. And I went, ah, that sits right with me. That sits right with me. I don't identify myself with a movement that happened 50 or 100 years ago. I identify myself with the church that Christ died for 2,000 years ago. We're Catholic, and as Catholics, we believe in everything that Jesus died for. And if that's not where you stand, I invite you to wrestle with him over that, because probably someone misrepresented a part of that to you. We minister to priests all the time. We've got a month-long priest seminary event coming up in June. We're going to have about 20 priest seminarians. They're going to be with us for the month. And we get to know them very intimately. And they share very vulnerably. And a lot of them have struggled 
with the, quote, charismatic movement. And as they talk further about it, they don't struggle with the movement of the Holy Spirit. They struggle with the way things have been done outside of their authority because they're shepherds of their church. They struggle with some of the strange things that they've seen wound their people. And some struggle with, they're just struggling. But as they walk through it, as they experience an authentic move of the Spirit of God, I've yet to meet one of them that's resisted it. We all long for the fullness of Christ. How do I know that? Because the Catechism 27 says, the desire for God has been written in every human heart. God never ceases to draw man to himself. Only in God will man find the happiness and the truth that he never stops searching for. We all long for it. We just got to brush off the dust that's standing in the way to get in touch with what our heart really longs for. We're all Catholic. Whether you're Roman Catholic or not. <laughs> and we believe in the 2,000-year history of the church, the richness of the traditions and liturgy, sacraments, and the life of the Spirit of God that was poured out on the day of Pentecost. So as we go through this day, I just want to put that as a framework. God is doing amazing things in the church. And frankly, it's blowing me away to watch what he's doing. It's an exciting day. Let me share my story with you real quick. So I'm the sixth of seven. Born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, not far from here. Good Catholic family. Mom, dad, seven kids. Parents were involved in things in the Catholic Church. Marriage encounter, some other things. Dad, successful businessman, upper middle class family. Good, solid Catholic family until I was five. And that's when everything got exposed. My father started coming home drunk. It became revealed that my father was having an affair, maybe more than one. And my parents' marriage fell apart. God brought me back to a healing moment of when I saw my father. I didn't have a memory of this until... I started revealing it. My brother said, yeah, that's our car that was our carpet. That was our door. That was our furniture. I'm like, oh, this was real. Okay, ouch. And I'm five, and I'm watching my father walk out the door. Round, brown door, slammed shut, represented desire, and the belief was embedded in my heart that I will never have what I desire because as a five-year-old, all I desired was my daddy, and my daddy left. We've had a lot of healing and reconciliation with our father. Our father just passed away right before Bob's wife passed away, which is... Was that about five, six months ago? At my father's funeral, we've had so much healing and reconciliation. It's unbelievable. But before all the healing and reconciliation, this memory of my father walking out the door, decided to write my father an email and tell him my experience after our healing and reconciliation. And he said, yeah, Bart, that was about when I left. It was around Christmas. I never understood why I didn't like Christmas. It was always a sad time for me. That's when I left, and you didn't see me for another two or three more years, and then when you did see me, I'm sorry it wasn't very good because I was alcoholic. And I wasn't really there for you. 
And that was after the healing that we were able to have those conversations. But after being five, six, we moved down to Miami, Florida. And my memories are growing up without a father. My memories are going into my mom's room and watching her cry herself to sleep, knowing it's because of the pain that my father inflicted upon her. My memories are watching my siblings' lives fall apart, which I blamed on my father because he wasn't there. My memories were watching my friends play catch with their dad and me going home and throwing a ball against the wall. My memories were having dreams of someone breaking into our house, taking us, and my dad would come to the rescue only to wake up and my father wasn't there. And so all of that fed this deep embedded anger and hatred for my father. I hated the man because of what he didn't do and what he did do. I wanted nothing to do with the man. The man had a name in my mind and it started with an A and it wasn't kind. I hated him. I struggled with anger, depression, despair, disillusionment almost all my life. But I had a dream. And my dream was to be somebody someday. And if I can be somebody someday, maybe then I'll enjoy life. Maybe then I'll feel valued, I'll feel loved. And sports became that ticket. Went through high school, into college, played college football. Played college football at Florida State, 1987 was my last year. I was living my dream. But I had one more step that was going to fulfill my dream. That was the NFL. You ever heard of Someday Isle? Someday I'll be happy. Because right now I'm miserable. But if I can just get there, I'll finally be fulfilled. So here it, here it came. My senior year was really a disaster. I got hurt second game, missed four games. Ended up still having a chance to go as a free agent to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So here I am, I'm in the locker room of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. My dream of playing in the NFL, here it is. Just got moved up in the depth chart. Feeling really good. Hearing from my weight coach back at Florida State that he's hearing from them that I have a chance to make this team. I'm excited. In between practices, I go into the locker room. I apologize up front, it's my testimony, gotta say it, but I was on the toilet. In the locker room of Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I'm sitting there, looking out over my life, going, wow, man, look what all I've overcome. If I had two hours, I would tell you all I overcame. Look what I've come overcome. And here I am. This is what I've always wanted since I was eight, nine years old. And here I am, man. I am at the doorstep of my dream. I've arrived. And I'm patting myself on the back. And then it hits me. And I said, who am I kidding? Who am I kidding? I'm miserable. I'm full of shame, self-hatred, anger, depression. I left a whole trail of heartache, my own and others, and I hate myself. And this is what I thought would make me happy, and I'm miserable. And if this doesn't make me happy, nothing can, because this is what every man wants, so I thought. I could be famous, I could be wealthy, I can have anything I want. 
I'm miserable. And at that point, I was just like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I certainly can't go to any other guys in the locker room and share this with them. What do I do? And I remember growing up in the Catholic Church. I remember seeing Jesus up on the cross. I remember knowing and hearing that he died for me. And so I sat there and I said, God, I know you died for me. I don't doubt that. I know, Jesus, that you died for me 2,000 years ago. But what good does that do me right now? God, I need to know if you're real. If you're real, please show yourself real to me. Otherwise, I'm done. A week later, I got the dreaded call. I'm cut from the team. I had a trial with another team. Didn't go. Long story. Go back to Tallahassee. Play golf with my brother Bob, which we've done about a half a dozen times. We find a lot of golf balls when we play. That means you're not good. And so here we are talking in the golf course. He's telling me about this men's event that he went to. And he's telling me about the stories of these guys. Now, Bob always, was always trying to reach me to get back to the Catholic Church. That wasn't new. And so here he was telling me these stories. I'm like, oh, here we go again. But some of the stories were starting to pique my interest. And then Bob just happened to ask at the end, Bart, would you like to go? I was like, you know, and I remembered my prayer. God, if you're real, show yourself real to me. I said, Bob, I'll go. I'll give it a chance. Really? You'll go? Yeah, I'll go. So I go. I'm a late entry. I'm on the weekend. You guys ever heard of Chirp, Christ News' Parish? Do you guys have that here? This was like the second one at this parish. They've been doing it since for 30 years. And here I am on this weekend. I don't know what to expect. If someone, I jokingly say, if someone would have told me you're going to be on a, a group, you're going to be on a weekend with a group of men who are going to hug each other and say, I love you, I would have never gone. Be careful what you tell people. Glad he didn't tell me. And here I am on this weekend. I'm listening to these men share their encounters with God. A couple of them really struck me. And now it's Sunday. And you get letters and pictures and things from loved ones. I'm a late entry, so I think the guys slid in some cute pictures on my thing. And I had one letter that I remember. It was from my brother Bob. See, Bob's eight years older than me. Bob was as close to a father figure growing up as I had, besides some coaches and a grandfather. And Bob's on the weekend with me. And we're, we're sitting at tables of six, 50 men in the room, spread out at these tables across the room. I'm on this side, Bob's on that side. I'm reading this letter. In the letter, Bob says to me, Bart, I love you, and I'm proud of you. I'm like, wow, I don't love me. I'm not proud of me. I mean, I just failed at the one thing I wanted. The only thing I thought I was good at, I just failed. Bob says he loves me, and he's proud of me. Wow. So I thought, well, it's the right thing to do. I should thank him. You know, good Catholic guilt. You got to do what you're supposed to do. And so I walk across the room. Bob sees me. We meet in the middle of the room. Now you got to picture this. I was a football player, big, burly, hardened, tough football player. That which is down here used to be up here. And I'm like, Bob, I appreciate that letter. It was really nice. And then this guy behind us says, you two brothers need the hug. And he pushed us together. And as he pushed us together, the walls of my heart just crumbled. And in my brother's arms, I'm sobbing like a baby. I don't know the last time I'd cried. And I'm crying like a baby. And as I'm weeping in his arms, I feel this presence fill the room. And I notice every man in the room is crying. 
I know now it was the Holy Spirit. And then I hear this voice. It was a still, small voice. But I knew it was God. And he speaks to me and he says, Bart, I'm your father. I'm a father to the fatherless, and I love you. And I just fell apart. I mean, I absolutely fell apart, sobbing like a baby. And in that moment, I realized what I'd been looking for my entire life. I just wanted the Father's love. I just wanted my daddy. But I'd hardened myself, toughened myself, left a trail of heartache, when all it was I wanted was love. And here in that moment, I encountered the one who is love. It was a supernatural experience. Very real. I won't forget it ever in my life. I encountered the Father. And I went to confession. I don't remember what I confessed. But I do remember saying to the priest, who's still at that church, Bob's church. And I said, Father, a few weeks ago I asked God, if he was real to show himself real to me, today he did. I encountered the Father, and I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I want to follow him the rest of my life. And he prayed with me, led me to Christ, prayed with me. That was 30 years ago. I haven't stopped. I love my Father. The reason I'm here is because I love my Father. The reason I ask us to ask the Father what his desire is, is because I love my Father. He's just good. He's just good. No matter what the enemy tells us, he's good. He's awesome. And he longs to encounter you and I. So I just want to give opportunity. If your heart's being stirred, you feel the Spirit of God stirring you in some way, I just want to invite you to stand to your feet. And then I'll lead us and we'll pray. You have a longing to encounter the Father more fully. You have a desire to surrender, surrender your life to Christ, maybe for the first time, maybe just more fully with greater commitment. I want to invite you to step, take a step of faith and just stand up. Now they're going to play for us in the background. And we're going to pray a couple of things. I'm just going to try to follow. I don't like to lead the Spirit of God. I like to follow him. So I'm going to pay attention to where he's moving, and we're going to try to follow that. But if you will, just close your eyes. And tell the Father what it is that's stirring in your heart right now. Tell him what it is you want from him. This is between you and him. You stood up just as an act of faith. But this is between you and him. Tell him what it is you want. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Minister the hearts of your children. All of us. Show us the Father's love deeper than we've ever known it before. I ask you to make the supernatural natural and encounter us in a very real and tangible way with your love, Father. I want more. I want more of your love, Father. I can never get enough of your goodness and your love. Come, Father. Show your people the Father's love deeper than they've ever known it before. Just place your hand upon your heart and just pray for yourself. However you feel led to pray for your own heart. For some of you, Jesus is walking by and he's saying, come on, come follow me. Are you willing to drop your net? Are you willing to drop the resistance? 
and lay it down and follow him for the rest of your life. Reconcile with him as you feel him challenging you to come and follow him. Tell him what it is you want to do. If you're ready to follow, drop it and follow him. He's got some great things in store for you. But he's moved by your choice, by your will. If that was you and you feel him calling you, I want you just to pray with me. You can pray out loud or under your breath, whatever works for you. But I just want to lead you in a prayer of surrender. You say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you more fully than I ever have before. Father, I want to encounter your love more deeply than I ever have before. Meet me in the deepest places of my being. And Lord Jesus, forgive me for my resistance. Forgive me for the ways I've rebelled. Forgive me for my sins. I repent. Come, Holy Spirit. Encounter me with your love. I've had bishops, I've had priests tell me that what we need as Catholics more than anything else is an encounter with the Father. I was in a room full of priests, and I shared that with them. And the one priest, who's a vicar of priests in his area, from Seattle, says to me, Heck, we priests need a deeper encounter with the Father. No matter where we are, there's always more. In the book of Acts, the apostles after Pentecost, which this is Pentecost Sunday, after Pentecost would say to the people, have you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? They said, we've been baptized by John. Well, that was a baptism of repentance, salvation. But even John talked about one coming after him would baptize in fire and water. And they prayed, they would say to the people, do you now want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, baptism of fire? And then they would lay hands upon them. You, okay, if I lay my hands on you. They would lay hands upon them, and they would pray for release of the Holy Spirit, for them to be baptized in fire. And then you would read later in Acts, they would pray for them again. There's always more. God gives without measure. We go from glory to glory to glory. No matter how much of God I've experienced over the last 30 years, I'm hungry for more. In the natural, the more you eat, the more full you become. In the kingdom, the more you eat, the more hungry you become. There's always more. There's always more. Now what I want to correct is I said whether you've received it or you haven't. It's actually not accurate. If you've been baptized and confirmed, you have already received the baptism of the Holy Spirit.
But just because you received it doesn't mean it's activated within your life. Let me read this to you, what the catechism says. Oftentimes I'll read catechism. If you want to take notes and look at this yourself, it's fascinating to look up the economy of confirmation in the catechism. 1286, 1287, 1288. I wish every church would teach 1286, 1287, and 1288 when they teach about confirmation. And then also 1302. What 1286, 1287, 1288 talk about is they talk about the Old Testament prophets that talked about the coming Messiah and how Jesus at his baptism, when John baptized him, he went under the water and the Holy Spirit descended upon him and the Father spoke to him and said, this is my beloved, that that was the fulfillment of the messianic mission, that Jesus was the Messiah. That was the sign that the prophets spoke of. And then it goes on and talks in about 1287 about how the apostles at Pentecost received that same outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And then in 1288 it says, but it wasn't just for them, it was for those who were coming. And it talked about what I just shared with you about Acts, how they prayed for them to receive it. And they said it's for them and all those who are to come, which is you and I. And this is what 1302 says. When I read this, I, I, I have this priest in my head laughing. This priest who's been to one of our events, and then I saw him again in Minnesota. I saw him. I hadn't seen him for about a year. I see him. He comes up, gives me a big hug, and he runs up to me, and he starts laughing. And he says, Bart, it is evident. <laughs> and I'm, why are you laughing? He says, because it's not in my church. you understand this in a minute. It is evident from its celebration that the effect of the sacrament of confirmation is the special outpouring of the Holy Spirit as once granted to the apostles on the day of Pentecost. He says, it is evident. It's not evident in my church. The effect of the sacrament of confirmation in my church is not evident by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that happened on the day of Pentecost. What are we doing wrong? I said, I don't know, Father. That's a great question. He just sent me an email a few weeks ago. He said, Bart, guess what? He says, I'm believing for it to be evident. I said, praise God. That is awesome. Let me read this again. It is evident. Now, here's the reality. It is evident. It is evident because of the teachings of the church and the sacrament, right? There's nothing wrong with the sacrament, is there, Father? Absolutely not. There's nothing wrong with the church. There's nothing wrong with our 2,000-year history of the church. But I think there's some things in our formation that we can maybe grow on, grow in. But it's evident by the teachings of the church, and it's evident by the sacrament from its celebration that the effect of the sacrament of confirmation is a special outpouring of the Holy Spirit as once granted to the apostles on the day of Pentecost. Here we are on Pentecost Sunday. What happened on Pentecost Sunday? The Holy Spirit came down upon them as fire. These timorous, timid men who were hiding away became bold witnesses and evangelists for the mission of Christ when the Holy Spirit descended upon them in tongues of fire. The catechism says it is evident, but yet our experience is that it's not. But here's what God wants. He wants us to live in the fullness of that reality. Now I know some of you since then have probably come more fully into the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the way I like to say it, the supernatural graces of your confirmation. 
because that's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is, according to the church's teachings. Here's an analogy that I like to use that helps me. I was baptized, received First Communion, went through confirmation. I do remember when the bishop laid hands on me and anointed my head with oil. I remember feeling peace. Anybody else remember feeling peace? I remember feeling peace. So as I look back, I'm like, ah, oh, that's why I felt peace. But like the statistics say, I left the church not long after that. Didn't think anything of it. Encountered the Father, went to an institute of ministry. Interdenominational institute of ministry, I maybe I'll tell you more about this later. There, at a foot washing, a guy washed my feet, and God tells me to wash his feet. And as I washed his feet, it broke me. It humbled me. And I went up to the front of the church, and I said, God, forgive me for my pride. Forgive me for my control. I want whatever's of you. But please protect me from anything that's not of you. But if it's of you, I want it. About that time, the guy who washed my feet, whose feet I washed, comes up behind me, puts his hand on my back, and he says, speak. And all of a sudden, this beautiful heavenly language erupts out of my mouth. And there was healings and things going on around the room, and there was all these things that I was skeptical about. And after this experience, it was like scales fell from my eyes, and all of a sudden, I'd see the healings and things, and I'd go, I think that's true. I think that's real. We're just 30 minutes earlier, I was like, what the heck is this? Scales fell from my eyes. And that heavenly language was praying in the spirit, praying in tongues. And it's a heavenly language between us and heaven. It's the Holy Spirit praying through us, praying in us, praying through us. And it's a beautiful heavenly language. And I've since tried to reconcile this and going, God, okay, it was then that I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit said, nope, that's not true. You received it at your baptism and confirmation. I'm like, huh, what do you mean? And then I read this. I received it. There's nothing wrong with the sacrament. We've all received it. But here's how I've reconciled it. It's like having a million dollars in the bank. I want to go buy a house for my family. I want to get out $400,000, which I gather here is a really, really nice house. Down in Florida, that's just kind of average. So I want to get $400,000 out to buy my family a house. So I go to the bank. I walk up to the teller. And I say, um, I understand that I have a million dollars in the bank account. What's your name? Yes, I tell her my name. Bart shoots. She looks it up. You sure do. Yes, okay. Got a million dollars in the bank account. I would like to withdraw $400,000. She says, okay, what's your account number? Account number? Hmm. I don't know. But that is my name. I'll show you my ID. I'm sorry. I can't give you the money unless you have the account number. So I walk away frustrated. I know I have it, but I don't have access to it. And that's what I've believed in analogy form, that I've received everything Christ intended me to have at my baptism, my confirmation, first communion. I received everything I needed. I received the fullness of the Spirit of God when that bishop laid his hands upon me. And the catechism says that's the origins. In 1288 says that is the origins the laying on of hands that happened in the book of Acts is the origins of what happens at confirmation. I received it, but it wasn't released. And in this time, in this moment, at this institute of ministry, among a bunch of non-Catholics, 
when, I was, when God humbled me and I repented from my pride and renounced my control and went to the front, little did I know that at that moment when the man laid hands on me, I was going to receive what was deposited in me when I was 13. It was released. Boom. It has created a power that I knew not of. How many of you know Sister Miriam James? Sister Miriam James Heidland. You guys should look her up on YouTube. She's awesome. She's this beautiful nun, was adopted, was molested. By the time she was 12, she was alcoholic. She became a college volleyball player, lived promiscuously, meets a priest who she saw life and joy and love. She gives her life to Christ. Some years later, she becomes a religious sister. She travels with us and does so. She was in Lansing with us. She's saying, it's as if we have gone into battle with a Speedo and a squirt gun. Don't picture that. In other words, we haven't been clothed in the former of God with the full dunamis power of the Spirit of God that God intended us to have. God is wanting to release the supernatural graces of our confirmation so that we live more fully into the power he intended us to have. If that is a desire of yours, I want to invite you to stand up. No matter what you've received before, there's always more. First, just place the hands upon your own stomach. Scripture says rivers of living water will flow from your innermost being. And just pray with me. Come, Holy Spirit. I ask now that you will release the supernatural graces of my baptism and confirmation. That you would fill me now with your Holy Spirit. That you would baptize me in your fire. That you would fan into flames the gifts of the Spirit that have been deposited within me. You would awaken them and stir them within me. Now place your hand on the shoulder of the person next to you. It could be two, three people, whatever, however it works. And pray, come Holy Spirit. Fill them with your Spirit. Release your supernatural graces of confirmation. Baptize them in your love. Baptize them in your grace. Baptize them in your fire. If you have in your heart a desire to more fully live out this vitality of the Father's love in your marriage, in your family, where you work, where you go to school, if you desire to live the fullness of what God desires us to have, if that ache is in your heart, I'm simply going to ask you to do something very simple right now. I'm going to ask you to send me an email and act on it. Act in faith. Simply send an email to alive at massimpact.us. Alive at massimpact.us. And simply say, tell me more. That's all you need to say. In the subject line, just say, tell me more. And we will get back to you soon. God bless you. Hey, everybody. I'm John Paul Schleter 
and one of six children, which means we're pretty busy. In fact, one weekend, we had eight soccer games, four cross-country meets, and a bunch of other events. But you know what the best part of it was? Besides mass, of course. Setting aside time as a family to talk and pray. I want to invite you to go right now to massimpact.us. Check out the Live It Gathering Guide. It's new every week. A great way for families to talk and pray based upon Sunday readings. Your kids will grump at the idea. Expect it, but trust me, it will be the best 30 minutes you will spend in a long, long time. It will help you all experience God alive in your family relationships that make your house a home. Join us now at MassImpact.us. Thanks, Mom. That was pretty awesome. You know, Mass Impact and Ignite has been going across the Northwest Ohio now for, for months, and, and thousands of people, literally thousands of people in our diocese have experienced that love. We believe that he said what he meant and meant what he said when he proclaimed that his body is real food and his blood is real drink. Simply put, Mass Impact is a nonprofit movement seeking the heart of God in the very heart of his Catholic Church. Uh, people just keep kept coming and coming. Not just in a moment, but, but to surrender their entire lives. We desire our hearts to be moved by what moves His. And to see that happening monthly. We are responding to an urgent call at an urgent time. The recent Popes, John Paul said, now's the time. This is the moment. We are taking big steps in faith throughout our diocese and beyond. I want to buckle my chin strap and take the field. And we are seeing tremendous growth. I mean, I'm just roused and emboldened to mission, to do something. We cannot do it alone. We need you, right now. Please partner with us. Go to massimpact.us right now and click on the Contribute tab. If you and I respond in faith right now, we will see souls in heaven who would not have been there had we said no. It was nothing short of amazing. Does it have that same kind of effect on you? Please go to massimpact.us and contribute. It's time to move.